Hello, Hyrule. Welcome back to the premier Legend of Zelda travelogue podcast. We are your tour guides. My name is Pete. And my name's Chris. Hey, Pete. Hello, hello. I have so many different ways I want to start today's podcast, but I think at the end of the day, I've got to go with tradition. And by tradition, I mean the thing that we've done once before. Okay. We are starting Ocarina of Time soon. (laughs) I guess by soon, I mean eventually. Again, don't expect that to start until 2023, either January or February. Mm -hmm. But we will start our playthroughs of it before then. Well, I mean, we kind of have to. Right. And once again, we are so fortunate to have been given the gift of naming our young adventurer, our young boy. Now, Chris. The boy without a fairy. Now, Chris, I know where this is going, but I just have to ask really quick. Did naming our characters odd things come up at all during Four Swords? What do you mean? In the game. Oh, did anyone ever call us by our names? (laughs) What a missed opportunity. You're right. No one ever calls you by your name in Four Swords. I mean, that's the whole reason you want to name a character something funny in a Zelda game, right? Yeah, to see it be repeated back. I guess I guess in this game, it's just a save file thing. I'm trying to remember if there's even a point in the game where Zelda says your name. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. And I mean, both of us have beaten this game multiple times now. So I think one of us would have remembered it. Yeah, I guess not. So anyway, this is a big decision. This is Ocarina of Time, a monumental video game, a mm-hmm. pivotal Legend of Zelda game. It's an important one. The story of Ocarina of Time is one of the more important video game stories out there. And people say your name a lot. People say your name in Ocarina of Time <laughs> a lot. <laughs> So I think it's important that both of us really think about what we're about to choose for each other here. I have a couple of options lined up, but I'm going to decide on the spot. Okay, so I went first last time. Yes. So maybe you go first this time. Sure. So mind you, we are naming our Link and our Epona. Oh, we're naming Epona, huh? I mean, they give you the opportunity. Okay. I don't think the name of your horse comes up very often, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Definitely not as often as Link. That's why for uh, your horse, Chris, I am going with the name Horse. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's not bad. Honestly, all things considered, it could be worse. (laughs) And the name of your Link in Ocarina of Time will be... uh... I'm sweating. No, that's it. It's U-H dot 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 will oh. be your name. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I kind of like that. Anyway, the name of the hero for your playthrough of Ocarina of Time is, drumroll please, <laughs> Curtis. No, no. Are you serious? And... The name of Epona for your playthrough of Ocarina of Time will be Link. <laughs> no. <laughs> I could have sworn for a second you were going to say my horse's name was Blurtus. <laughs> I considered Blurtus for a second there. I think it's much funnier for people to say Link to your horse. Chris, I swear. I swear to any any and all goddesses out there, if you make me name my Link Curtis in every game, 
Listen, one step at a time. Let's not get ahead of ourselves today. To... <laughs> talking about taking things one step at a time, we're going to cover three different locations in the Great Fairy Tour. That's right. We are stressing the tires on this tour bus today, folks. That's right. I mean, here's the thing, and we've talked about this before. These levels are not traditional Zelda levels. There are no NPCs. It's kind of just randomly assorted dungeon maps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and even with that, there's not a whole lot of them. I would say there's a decent enough variation. Sure. But on any given playthrough, you see two of them, I think. That's true. It's kind of weird. Like, Yeah. But there are a lot of rooms in any one of those two stages, I guess you would call them. Anyway, this is anything but a traditional Zelda game, and if we were to make a single episode on each location, there just wouldn't be a lot of good content. So we're sticking these three levels in one. There is, like, some stuff we could talk... Because, like, the actual formula is the exact same in each level, right? Where it's... You play through some random chunks of level, you collect the required amount of rupees, depending on which epic you're in, and you are hopefully rewarded a key from the Great Fairy at the end. Mm -hmm. that's it's the same every level yes you're either rewarded a key or the fairy tells you hey try a little harder but she doesn't tell you exactly how much harder to try i don't think we covered that in episode zero i, I think somewhere for the gold key i was told how much at one point so i was doing hero key grinding today and i failed on one of the levels Ooh. and they basically just said hold on i have the dialogue i'm the great fairy of ice i am the guardian of the talus cave you have done well to collect so many rupees but you must strive to reach greater heights show us your courage by gathering more rupees only then shall we w the hero and give you the key to vati's palace uh, no number yeah so i don't know how you're supposed to know that number uh if you don't look online just keep having fun with you and your blurtus just keep going back out there you and rodan mindset grind set fight fight another annoying boss yeah yeah which by the way the thresholds if we haven't mentioned it yet there's three different levels of key depending on which level epic you're in uh, of the game if you are looking for a silver key which is towards the beginning you need a thousand rupees at the end of a level and the great fairy at the end will say you're like a little egg <laughs> you're like a little hero egg that's the rank you have right for the golden keys next level up you need three thousand rupees per level and the great fairy will say that you are a brave hero much better we like that for the Third and final epic, a titanic 5,000 rupees per level. It's a lot of rupees. It's prohibitively difficult amount of rupees for single player. And you will be dubbed the greatest of heroes. Ugh. I mean, definitely the most patient of heroes, because you're just going to be finding a Moldorm to kill over and over again to keep getting 50 rupees at a time. <laughs> Either that or um, bow moblins. Thankfully, I only had to grind one time. I have to grind every time I play this game now oh. that I'm getting hero keys. it's it, your, your mileage may vary because some of this is RNG. Well, because of that, I mean, we talked about this briefly before the recording, but whenever I didn't meet the quota before the boss... I just quit the level out because it wasn't, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to just sit and grind for how much time. It actually would have taken less time to restart the level. Sure, sure. With the exception of my final level, which in the third epic was Death Mountain, mm -hmm. which to get 5,000 rupees in Death Mountain is near impossible to do organically. So I had to sit there and I farmed 
what was it? Bubbles? I think I farmed bubbles for like oh, the final oh, stage. I was in for 45 minutes, Chris. That's a lot. So, okay. Any given Zelda dungeon, 45 minutes doesn't sound like too long. Sure. 45 minutes of a level in four swords is an eternity. Because remember, <laughs> you have an eight second song loop playing that whole time. By the end of those 45 <sighs> minutes, you are on the verge of a mental breakdown. Well, here's the trick. Here's the trick, Chris. I muted my computer and I just turned on my PS5, hopped onto YouTube and put on a playlist of Power Rangers in Space and I just hung out. That sounds like kind of a good time. It was much better. <laughs> all right. So we've kind of alluded to all of it already, but the three areas we are talking about today are the Sea of Trees, the Talus Cave, and Death Mountain. We're going to kind of try to go in that order. Mm -hmm. We'll do a little bit of our usual, hey, what's in this place? What are the enemies? Sure. But it's going to be a little bit faster and looser than our traditional Hello Hyrule episode. Really quick, before we hop in the tour bus, Chris, how does collecting rupees prove how heroic I am? I, I truly don't know. Like, I, I, I just sat here. I will edit out the silence, but I literally sat here trying, trying to jump through some hoops to make it make sense. I asked you that question and you looked like you received bad news. I don't know, man. You want to give it a shot? Okay, so here's the thing. Does it really matter that I get the money through fighting monsters and doing puzzles and opening chests, right? Because, like, any location you're going through in this game is probably the domain of a great fairy, right? Yeah. So any they of the are. chests, any of the stuff that's out there was probably, you know, hers in some fashion. Right. So what is the difference whether I fight someone to get the rupees or not? What if I just like collected the amount they want through like theft and pyramid schemes? Like what if I was just like uh, the greatest con artist? Does it matter? I, that's a very good point, right? Like, okay, if if rupees were only a thing you got through battle, through besting your enemies and taking their rupees, that's one thing. But like, we can't act like you can't just mow the lawn in the back of the sea of trees and rake up <laughs> 50 rupees just for cutting grass. Like, yeah. it's not necessarily always a heroic deed that leads you to rupees in this it's game. It's true. So what gives? But I do kind of like the idea that, hey, these are all the great fairies domain. And by collecting the rupees, they are assessing the amount of Vati's forces that you've pushed back in their areas. Could be. Maybe. But like great fairies have always been able to see your journey to some extent and like judge your progress in another way. Have they? I mean, they've certainly never said you're only as good as the amount of rupees you have. In most cases, when you encounter a great fairy in one of these games, either you show up in their fountain and just by dint of showing up, they give you a reward. Right. Or they give you some kind of weird little quiz. And like, if you answer the questions correctly or like be honest about what you, you dropped in there, they'll just give you a reward. And mind you, these three fairies are the same three great fairies from Minish Cap. So like they've been more generous in the past <laughs> there is a recurring theme of the great fairies placing an importance on quantity of items mm -hmm. remember they reward you with extra bombs and extra arrows uh -huh. for being honest in the minish cap sure so i mean they are just materialistic by nature maybe so this is about getting them the rupees then they want the rupees this is we're paying them for keys i mean <laughs> I guess so. Hyrule Business Highlight, this grift right here. 
Maybe <laughs> let's let's get started with the sea of trees, I think. Sure. That sounds great. A.K.A. The Forest of No Return. Is that really what they call it? Where do they call it that? That is the translated name from Japanese. OG. Okay. You go in, you are not coming out. I mean, it's more like you go in and you're definitely coming out because it's the first level of this game. But <laughs> I mean, if you're playing in the third epic, it's the Forest of No Returns. <laughs> but um, but anyway. The Sea of Trees, description wise, this is our Hyrule field for this game this is our kokiri forest or whatever right there's no real like big open plains it's more trees and whatnot sure i mean you don't often get kokiri forests in 2d games actually it's kind of a combination of places isn't it because like there's also you get like 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 hylia a little bit you get like a little bit like hylia you get a little bit of like zora river you get a little bit of like you know because there's big open water areas there's like rapids that you have to work with you know yeah there's plateaus Mm -hmm. there's elevated land there's like certain places where you find like these like rope bridges you have to run on i think most of it though is just grassy field there's no traditional like lost woods area in this game that's like largely missing there is a level that i dropped into in sea of trees one time that had kind of like vibes of lost woods even though you couldn't actually lose your direction in it where it was just like it was a series of like hollowed out tree trunk tunnels oh i recall that yes and you would uh you would enter uh in one area and kind of walk through and like kind of lose track of where you were mm-hmm. but there were a bunch of seemingly exits yeah and it's it it looked like a uh mcdonald's like kids <laughs> play area right if, if a play place was in the woods and just like a symmetrical grid of 16 rooms that's really uh-huh. all it was yeah that was kind of cool i remember that too there's also there was one i remember in the sea of trees that I believe it was on the hero trial where you're in a body of water, but there are a bunch of spring platforms that just launch you oh, across yeah, the, the lake. Springs. Yeah. So like there's maybe five possible spring platforms and you could jump on any one of the five and then they're uh-huh. just going to start launching you and you've got to hope that you end up on the right platform <laughs> with a key treasure chest. Yeah. Uh, one of those puzzles. Do you prefer it when you have to rely on the spring pads or where there's multiple islands and they expect you to use the rocks cape to jump between them? I would rather, because with the rocks cape, you have control. Do you though? Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little bit preferable. What about you? I, uh, I, it's hard to say really, because like if you, if they're springboards, chances are, I mean, in most cases, they're not just going to drop you in a pit. That's true. Unless you're in the third epic, then that might happen a lot, actually. But uh, I, I find the springboards get cranked up in the third epic. Every one yeah. of the biomes had springboards in the third epic for me. Because every level, they, they ramp up the tricks and goofs when, as soon as you get into that one. They sure do. Let's crack into some of the inhabitants of the Sea of Trees. Do you have that list of enemies open? I do. All right. We have a lot of familiar faces, especially considering we've played the Minish Cap recently. Exactly. Lots of familiar faces some of the returning enemies did get switched up a little bit a little bit yeah do you want to talk about some of the recurring characters sure uh right off the bat you have armos 
which look exactly the same as they do in Minish Cap. They don't have the little pathway for you to run up. Right. Up the belly button. You cannot climb into them when you're tiny in this one. Can you imagine just i just had an image of uh nat hat link getting into the mouth of an armos that isn't built to handle him and then going full ant-man and just that would be imploding sweet. the armos from the inside considering you can switch at will yeah absolutely <laughs> and i honestly would prefer it that way because armos in this game they are a nightmare they're a nightmare in this game they're they're tough yeah they don't stop they just keep, they're, they're not phased by being attacked, so they'll just keep going through you. And the thing about enemies that you cannot stagger, but that also have a large shield in this game, mm -hmm. is they'll run right up into your face. And if an enemy hits you, you're taking damage. Yeah. And again, in this game where a lot of the runs are about how many rupees you collect, yep. you know, remember on some of those higher difficulties, when enemies are getting in your face like this, if you go down, you're losing those rupees oh, yeah. that you are just scrounging by to get. The more you die, the more rupees you lose. It gets exponentially more expensive the more you die. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I hear you. Armos, there's a bigger risk factor to Armos in this game. We also have Bomarosas. Oh, yeah. About the same. About the same. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about them, but I do have a lot to say about the next one, Bow Moblins. You do? Kinda. Moblins in this game are tough. Oh, yeah, they're beefy. Absolutely. I feel like my feelings on Moblins in this game are similar to your feelings on Dark Nuts in the <laughs> Minish Cap. <laughs> I think you mean Dark Nuts in this game. <laughs> maybe yeah i guess darkness in this game as well it's just like i would just rather not deal with them and then the biggest joker's trick of them all is the fact that the bo the moblins in this game have some of the most rupees that an enemy is gonna drop well that's the thing the, the tougher and beefier an enemy is the more you get paid kind of yeah uh what, what's next on this list well i mean you said bow moblin we also have spear moblin which for me, was, I think, among the hardest enemies in the game, because unlike the Spear Moblin in Minish Cap, I could not figure out the hitbox on these guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I would try and use the same tricks from Minish Cap and just get skewered. Yeah, I got to a point with both of the Moblin types where I started using the shield. And the shield would kind of help because oh. I would farm Moblin so often. Okay. But like the shield was like one of the items I used the least throughout Four Swords. Mm -hmm. But specifically when fighting Moblins, it helped you kind of close the distance safely and then get some swipes in. Okay. Well, that's good to know at least. After Moblins, though, another recurring enemy we have are Igors. Just straight up Igor. I mean, they are literally just Igor statues from Minish Cap, but they're called Igors in this one. Yeah. I can't tell you why the game specified that. If you were to ask any random like Zelda fan to name like a bunch of Zelda enemies, I'm pretty sure Igor would be like towards the bottom. Not that they're like forgettable in the sense of like what they are or what they or how dangerous they are. It's just like they're some of the least memorable enemies. Yeah, the interesting thing about Igors, I think, in this game and in Minish Cap, though, is they kind of look like uh, what are those got the gossip stones from the 64 games? Sheikah stones. <laughs> It seems like like maybe this is what happens when malice infects a gossip stone. Uh, hmm. That's an interesting point. I mean, there's really nothing like it's not like you you make these good and they start talking to you about what's going on in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, they're not going to say boyoing, that's for sure. Right. But just visually, I don't know. It, it feels like it came from that design 
place. They must be based on actual like creatures because like in other games there are Igors that are not statues. No, they're like weird eye monsters. They're like aliens. Right. That's why I'm saying this one specifically looks like it's evoking gossip stones as opposed to aliens or monsters. You know what these are? You know what Igor statues are? I just put this together. Igor are aliens or some sort of extra dimensional creature not of Hyrule. Mm -hmm. And... Igor statues are kind of like Moai heads, but like, you know, or Stonehenge is more accurate. Like Easter Island, sort of? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> next up, we do have gels, which are completely unremarkable, and I've got nothing to say about them. Zolzen gels, Hikun and Nokun. We got Keese and Moldorms are back. Looking creepier than in the last game, also beefier and somehow more annoying. These are another one of those enemy types that are like, you want to farm these bad boys because you'll get, oh, I yeah. believe, between 50 and 100. Yeah, I think I've gotten about that much. Yeah. They're wily, though. They're, they're, they're very fast. They will get away from you. They, they move very fast. You want to corner them. And then when you do corner them, if you're not swinging fast enough because your hand is on a keyboard instead of a gamepad. <laughs> oh, no, Chris. They're going to get in your face. You played on the keyboard? The whole time. <laughs> Could not get a gamepad to work. I feel like I should make a charity in your name. <laughs> it's okay. I got through it. I'm fine. After that, we got Octorox. I'm pretty sure you only get the red variety in this game. As far as I can remember. Uh, you got Rupee Likes. Act exactly the same. Rupee Likes. Yes. Again, can we talk about what a threat Rupee Likes are in this game? Oh, for the wallet? Absolutely. Yes, because again, your goal through the latter playthroughs of this game are collecting rupees. And in those playthroughs, a lot of those rupees are rupee likes. And let's be clear, eventually you're not being fooled by them. You know which sure. rupees on the ground are going to turn into rupee likes. Right. But suddenly three or four rupee likes will be coming at you Ooh. at once. They'll either be grabbing you or your friend. Uh -huh. They're always draining your rupees. The the real it, crazy thing is when, when you're in this situation where you get pulled into a rupee like and start getting drained so you switch to your other character to try and bust you out and then either another one grabs that character or you hit that one to free your original character only to immediately get sucked in yourself and you have to swap <laughs> again Yes. And that first scenario where you're both just stuck in rupee likes, like, <laughs> let's be clear, they don't speed up the timer. You're just watching both of your boys be just drained of their wallets for like 15 to 20 seconds. It's like when you get electrocuted and you have to watch that animation go for an ungodly amount of time. Depending on how much money, like how much money you're trying to collect, you might as well just reset the stage at that point. Uh, it could be a lot. But hey, you know what? I commend them because Rupee likes, they actually made them a threat. In, sure. And in so many games, they're kind of just nothing. After that, we've got spiked beetles and spiny beetles, which, you know, one has the spikes on it. One wears a plant or rock on it. The spiked beetle seems to be the only required use case for the shield. It's like the one enemy that you need the shield to flip over. The one where it's mandatory, you mean? Right. Yeah, that's fair. There there are some times where there's a, uh, like a bow moblin where you need to use the shield just to get close to it. But then again, you can also swipe your sword to get the arrows. So, so then we are on now at this point to new enemies. Pete, do you yes. want to introduce these? So, bulbles. Bul bulbles? Bulbul. <laughs> B-U-L-B-U-L. First off, I should say, probably another Vati original. They are only in this game. Great job, Vati. You did it. Whatever this is, you uh, did it. This is okay. So a bulbul is like 
a crab. Okay. It's a Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. This is like a water electric Pokemon. It looks like a big electric bulb that has been swallowed by a crab. <laughs> this looks like a mix between a Scyther and someone blowing a bubblegum bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so weird. It's got, like you said, the feet of a crab. It's got this enormous green circular body with a yellow throat i've got to imagine that's a throat i don't know it kind of looks like that boss from mount krennel which one glee rock you think that looks like glee rock i mean i don't know i'm kind of grasping at straws it kind of looks like a variant going back to pokemon equivalents I, I actually had to look it up because i think it looks like a crawdont which is like the crawdad pokemon okay and like you take the top half and the bottom half and you sandwich it like bread on top of like a big old green light bulb and you can mm -hmm. see its spine going down through the center. Right. So I'm looking at this thing and I've got to know, Pete, what does a bulbul taste like? Oh, okay. I, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to say, I mean, the obvious answer is crab, right? I don't know, man. Hmm. It's up to you. Go crazy. Have at it. I, I feel like it's going to be like very tough crab. Like it's like the steak of crab. Okay. How big do you think this thing is? Compared to, well, I mean, looking at Link, who's like about 10, this has got to be like maybe six feet tall. Holy cow, that's terrifying. <laughs> the idea of this thing being six feet tall is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I mean, especially considering how beefy this thing is. You got to slash it so many times. Uh, Pete, I got the impression that this thing was like three feet tall max. Really? Yeah, I don't. I mean, Link is probably not very tall either. I don't know. Perspective's not great in any of these 2D games, to be honest. Uh huh. This thing's big green body kind of looks like a Granny Smith apple. <laughs> is that your answer for what it tastes like? This is a big old crab apple. Yeah, I kind of like that. I want this to be a like a like a Granny Smith apple, but like. But like, okay, it's like an opposite lobster roll also, because you got that crab exterior uh -huh. with an apple on the inside. So when you're feeling like you want a, a salty treat, you want to indulge a little bit, but then you want a little bit of healthy too oh, so with the like, apple on the inside. Okay, so like the spine is the core of the apple. The spine is the core of the apple, and it's connecting the two parts of the crab together. Oh, ghoulish. Who, yeah, this is like a Frankenstein's monster of a meal that I am uh, concocting. Um, we have to keep moving. We, we have to keep, keep going. We gotta keep going. I will say the enemy is very annoying. Moving on. Indeed. After that, we've got Ruby Wraiths, Chris. Oh, these are just the bad guy from Super Mario Bros. 2. Do you recognize Ruby Wraiths, Chris? Uh, you... From my nightmares over the past three months, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. One person in the Zelda series has died as a result of Rupee Wraiths. Oh, it's all, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> this is the same sprite as the ghost that was haunting Gregel the Great in the Minish Cap. Gregel, I get it now. Gregel, we get it. I don't know if it was like the theft of money that killed Gregel. Wait, this is amazing. Gregel the Great, if he really was so great, is probably a treasured hero, right? He probably had a lot of money, and that's why that ghost just didn't want to let go. Ooh. He was taken rupee by rupee. And he was there for so long. And that's why Gregel was incapacitated. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was there for days, slowly draining Greggle's wallet. But here's the thing, though. When, when you are attacked by a rupee wraith in this game, which, by the way, a rupee wraith is just a little ghosty guy. And when it attacks you, it just clings to you for like, I don't know, five seconds, ten seconds. Yeah. And steals your rupees. When it steals your rupees, they just pop off of you. It doesn't take them away. The trick is if you switch to your secondary character, if you're playing Anniversary like us, uh-huh. you could swat them away a little bit quicker as they attack your primary character. Oh, word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's not even a danger. You can just go get the rupees back. Sure. Like when you drop them. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. Except unless, unless you are near a pit or some water or lava, then you are losing those rupees. Yeah, and that will happen, make no mistake, because this game throws a lot of rupee wraiths your way on the harder difficulties. And rupors, too. And rupors! <laughs> Holy cow, there are a lot of rupors in the grass. And, and when you touch a rupor, it is, I would say that is definitely worse than a rupee wraith, because when you touch a rupor, they explode off of you in any random direction. I, I want to see what that looks like in three dimensions when Link steps on a rupor, because it feels like he takes his biggest rupee and chucks it across the map immediately i have to assume like they're highly demagnetized to your rupees right i guess so that makes sense so if you come near them they'll just jettison in whatever direction (laughs) which again if you're near lava (laughs) you're probably going to be cursing at some point a hundred percent and again that will happen it's inevitable it happened to me as well obviously rupee wraiths are designed for multiplayer one, because you're going to drop your rupees. He he he, I'm stealing your rupees as they're being stolen from you, right? Yeah. But also, in multiplayer, when you have a rupee wraith on you, you can touch one of your fellow players and then they will have the rupee wraith. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, mischievous. Yeah. I mean, honest, again, this game could have been so much more fun if we played it with other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Do we have anything else about the Sea of Trees? Uh... I guess it's worth noting the great fairy for the Sea of Trees is the great fairy of the forest. Yes. Well, that's after the boss, Chris. Oh, so there you go. Let's talk about the boss of the Sea of Trees. The boss of the Sea of Trees, who you will fight a bunch of times, is a big man handler. A big man handler. It's the first big manhandler of the timeline, right? From what I can remember, yeah. Manhandlers are in Legend of Zelda and Oracle of Seasons as well. Okay. Uh, But big manhandler like this, I think this is the first time we're seeing it. This is a very clever spin on what is a fairly problematic name. (laughs) (laughs) The manhandler? Manhandler. I think that's that's kind of the point of the name, right? I I think it's fine. But, But the trick this time is that it has handles, Chris. Yes. (laughs) I've got to say, I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for too many of the boss fights in this game. This is probably my favorite boss fight in this game. You think so? Um, I'm trying to think of any that I would like more. No, I think you're right. This one, this one's pretty fun. Let's describe what Big Man Handler looks like. Oh, right. We didn't even say. It's Audrey 2 uh, from Little Shop of Horrors, but with four heads. It's this game's big old PD piranha, but with four heads. And also the base of it kind of looks like a artichoke heart. Kind of, yeah. Like Pete mentioned, there are levers on the outside of the base. Each of the flower heads have those spiky mouths and they have like, did you take that as like an iron exterior to the buds or is that like a webbing exterior to the buds? Oh, you mean like, 
when the buds are closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to assume it's something similar to like a Quadrababa or whatever from Skyward Sword. Sure. Actually, these are very familiar to Quadrababas, aren't they? Yeah, these are 100% the Quadrababa variants for this game. Interesting. It is interesting how like this generation... They were like, yeah, manhandle is a thing. And then as soon as we hit like the N64, it feels like eh, they're kind of a thing of the past. We're doing Dekubaba and Quadrababa <laughs> stuff now. I mean, I don't know why we can't just have the whole thing, right? Like we have a rotating villains gallery, so to speak, in the Zelda franchise, you know? Sure. You're never going to get a game that has every enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not cycle them out? But it's like similar to what we see with Choo Choo, right? We stop seeing gels and Zoles. We just see Choo Choo now. True. Although I personally think that's a development decision. You got Zoles and gels. Then they tried to switch the names up again in the second game with bits and bots. Right. Which what, what were they even doing with that? Then we get to Choo Choo, which just makes sense. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's choo choo to choo. Let's choo choose to talk. No. I want to talk about the boss fight. Let's talk about the boss okay. fight. <laughs> the different flowers are different colors uh, corresponding to the links that you're playing as, right? Well, they change so, color, actually. Yeah. They, they morph colors between the different flower heads and you basically have to take the link of the corresponding color and stab the right colored flower when they're open so like there's also some timing necessary yeah 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 so they'll open and close additional flowers pop up and spit seeds at you uh i believe that you get the rocks cape in a lot of these arenas so you can jump over them oh yeah they give that to you for free like it's intended yeah 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 i never do though to be honest i, I usually just keep my distance during this fight yeah, um, it's pretty easy to keep your distance. And when you're playing Anniversary and you control the two links, it's easy to like kite the heads to one side and mm -hmm. then switch to the link that's on the other side. A little bit of Blurtus bait. A little bit of Blurtus bait. You got Blurtus baited. <laughs> so the, the, the changing colors on the flowers, right? Mm -hmm. Is that something in the nature of the manhandler or is that something like some sort of effect of the four sword? I don't know, because we see that a lot throughout these enemies. There's other stuff in the game where, like, there's, you know, the hidden paths that only the person wearing this color can see. I, I mean, if we want to play kayfabe, if we want to, like, do some hand waving, uh -huh. maybe you can say that each color link has different skill sets, right? And when you see a flower that is a certain color or a path that is a certain color, maybe what that actually is trying to represent is the fact that you need to use this specific link's particular skill sets to hit the weak point of this enemy or to navigate this perilous area in a specific way. Okay. I, I'm I'm making some stretches. I'm doing some logical leaps there, but I mean if if we want to in, in the mind of, of imagination here, you know, then like uh -huh. I could see that being kind of cool. It would really do it for me if each link had a different weapon. But Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, towards the end of the fight, these uh, handles pop out on the sides of the manhandler, and uh, each one has to be pulled out fully in order to open up the bud at the center of the manhandler. And when you destroy that one, kaboom. Goodbye, boss. Goodbye, boss. And then we have, do you want to describe what this thing looks like uh, when you defeat it? Upsettingly organic. I don't, uh, it looks, hmm... <laughs> Yeah, it looks like some weird membrane stuff. It looks like meat. 
It does. Yeah. Why does it look like meat? I don't know. It's upsetting. <laughs> it kind of looks like a flower under there, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, like I said, it it's not an exceptional boss fight, but it's clear in its design. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a million moves that make Link animate uncontrollably. It doesn't freeze you for mm-hmm. 10 seconds. It doesn't light you on fire. Uh-huh. It doesn't cause, like, area effects. Right. In that regard, I think this is maybe the best boss in the game, unless there's an argument for Vati, but I'm not feeling any argument for Vati. Here's the thing, though, Chris. It's the most competent boss for single player. Yes. Again, the asterisk that is always going with what Pete and I are saying is that we're playing the emulated version of this game yeah. single player when you get to the bosses of the other levels it's pretty hard for me personally but i can always imagine how much easier it would be if you had other people with autonomy who can you know react to things agreed not like blurtus who when you switch back and forth the other you know character just sits like they literally just sit down the worst is when you're switching back and forth and as you switch the person gets lit on fire Or like if you get lit on fire, so you switch, and then as soon as you switch, both characters go on fire. See, okay. Save that for Death Mountain. Save it for Death Mountain. (laughs) Let's go now to Talus Cave. cave i guess let's start with the description again this is kind of the mix of the water temple and maybe a cave temple something similar to not the palace of winds but the fortress of winds from the minish cap like a very underground focused area Oh, okay yeah i can see that a little bit more although like this is more so the ice level this is mostly the ice level yeah yeah like you got ice you got pits you got ice that you will slide on and fall into pits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will, you know, as with the previous level, lose rupees if they fall into holes in water. Yes. I mean, literally, I mean, okay, so the name Talus Cave is probably, like, literal. A, a Talus Cave is a thing. That's, like, a real thing. What does the word Talus mean? I don't know about Talus itself, but a Talus Cave is, like, a, fe- a cave that you find in a pile of rocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's at the mm-hmm. bottom of a cliff. You know, like it's not a naturally formed cave. The word talus itself does have some history with Zelda, right? It has some future history with Zelda. Some future history, which is 50% (laughs) of the time when you're talking about history in Zelda, it's future history, baby. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Yeah, talus are are creatures in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, so obviously this place was not named for them, but I have to wonder if there was some kind of conscious decision in naming them that in Breath of the Wild. I think with Breath of the Wild, they had so much attention to naming things out of things of the past that Uh it's very likely that they just took this name and made an enemy out of it. Right. It's a fitting enemy as well. One more thing outside of the word talus that I wanted to mention. Uh There are fossils throughout this dungeon. True. Did you notice these? I forgot about this. Yeah. uh, So in the walls of most areas of Talus Cave, you can see the bones of dinosaurs. Uh, I'm sorry? Of the bones of what? Dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Of dinosaurs. Dinosaur DNA. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
this is kind of like the peak of environmental storytelling in the video game Four Swords. Kind of, yeah. I mean, so so now we just know that dinosaurs existed at some point in Hyrule. Uh-huh. I think there are other <laughs> games in which fossils are an item as well. Are there not? I think some of the DS games. It's not coming to mind, but maybe. Emailers, let us know. Only one, though. Only one person email and let us know, and then no more. If more than one, then we're not going to acknowledge it. <laughs> Sorry, that's how it works. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's basically just like like we said, a mix of an ice dungeon and an underground sort of dungeon. Oh, one more thing that I kind of liked about the Talus caves. They have these fun jack-o'-lantern doors. <laughs> Is that only here? I think that these orange doors are only in the Talus caves, and I really like that. I hadn't even realized it's a little pumpkin face. That's so cute. Isn't it? That's so, like, weird for this area, but, you know, they don't have a haunted area in this game, so you gotta fit it in somewhere. You got the jack-o'-lantern doors, and you got bones. There you go. This is spooky now. It's the spooky level. Uh-oh. Okay. okay, I like it now. And speaking of spooks, maybe we should start talking about the enemies in the Talus Cave. Actually, now that you point it out, some of the enemies do point towards this being the spooky level. Yep. Looking at the list now, it kind of does, huh? That's so weird. Okay, so first up, I'm not going to be naming any more new enemies. That was it. The rest are returning from either this game or Minish Cap. That's right. You got Ball and Chain Soldiers. You got Bulbles. You got Igors. You got Zolan Gel. You got Gibdo, mm -hmm. which I found interesting in this game because they they actually have a different sprite than in minish cap first off they do they're kind of slimmer they're like skinny they're like meanwhile minish cap they got kind of like muscle to them and they look like right and they have kind of darker bandages as well darker bandages and also like flesh colored human fingers <laughs> oh i didn't notice that i don't like that <laughs> why are they do oh. why do they have that you gotta cover those fingers up. You're gonna chop <laughs> off your fingers. It's cold in here. You gotta cover your hands. Uh, maybe maybe Gibdos have like cell phones and they need the fingers out. Otherwise, they can't <laughs> unlock their phone screens. It's pretty far back. They haven't invented gloves that you can touch your phone with. Right, right. That must be it. But another thing about these Gibdos is that they have a new move that is exclusive to this game. What move is that? Is that they can shoot bandages outward like a projectile like a, like a ball of bandages that they throw or shoot in a line and if you get hit you're restrained momentarily huh i completely forgot about that that's cool i kind of like that it's kind of dope uh after that we got haikun we got ice whiz robes we got keys moldorms did we mention ropes in the last level because they are there ropes are kind of all over the place in this game it's true they're just snakes we all know what ropes are. We got rupee likes. We got rupee wraiths. We got tektites. Tektites are back. I called them in my notes almost 100% of the time tektikes. That's not... Two Ks. That's wrong. I see that now that I'm looking at the wiki page. <laughs> and lastly, uh-oh, we have stall child. Uh-oh, the magma. Stall children? Stall childs? Let's crack open this wiki page, see how they pluralize this. Stall children. Stall, Stall children. childs. <laughs> I guess both are accurate. Weird. Okay. In any case, the, this is the only time that stall children appear in a 2D Zelda game. And, I mean, they perform exactly like 2D Stallfos. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't know this was a stall child 
as opposed to Astolfos until I looked at the wiki page, because this is mm-hmm. almost exactly Astolfos. Uh, you can, I mean, once you know it's a style tile, though, you can kind of see the inspiration on it. The body's a little bit smaller, right? It's a, the shape of the skull, too. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure why they chose to make it a style tile instead when there's like previous games where this enemy behaves exactly the same. But I do want to thank Four Swords Anniversary Edition for furthering my theory from last season. <laughs> that the Stall Child are the Magma? Because originally I was thinking that like, oh yeah, like the Stallfos that are here down in the Fortress of Winds are, you know, Magma, etc. And then I pointed out how Saul children in the N64 games have kind of a different shape. They don't look like any other creature except something that has like, you know, a muzzle of some kind. And they have You're claws. Right. In Majora's Mask, they dig. They 100% do. Oh, no. <laughs> it does further your theory, doesn't it? It really does. Wow. But again, between these and the Gibdo, this is the spooky level. I guess so. It is pretty. I mean, funny, though, how Stall children first appear in the timeline just after acro bandits disappear (laughs) all right now you're gloating (laughs) now you're doing a victory lap i feel good about this theory i'm not gonna shut it down i kind of like it after that there's just uh the boss Uh, is there anything any you know uh, portions of this level that stand out to you in your memory it's a nice color palette i mean i i do like the color palette but yeah i don't know i don't have a whole lot to say about it i think something i didn't bring up in the last level bulbos the first time i encountered them i had no idea how to take them down really and if you don't hit the bulbos incredibly fast Mm -hmm. they just keep regenerating health oh yeah the idea is you've got to swipe at them until they pretty much like implode right like every time you hit them their ball shrinks and you want to do it until it shrinks all the way right until the the spine is exposed then you strike that and win the trick chris is to have another player on the opposite side and bounce it back and forth between each other which some of the enemies in this game the secondary link will just move himself to where he needs to be bulbuls are not one of those enemies oh yeah no when you find one of those your ai partner is just taking a nap absolutely checking their phone <laughs> i don't know do you have anything about the uh talus cave that you wanted to talk about i mean it's been a bit since i actually did a lot of those levels the last time that i played i got the five thousand rupee goal by accident mm-hmm. Oh, now you're truly just bragging. No, I listen. This is not a brag. This is just me being grateful because I did not want to go through here multiple times. I failed the 5000 rupee challenge just today for this level. You know, uh, there's those times where you'll like step on a button or beat an enemy or something. And you'll hear that jingle that we have started using as our theory jingle. And then, uh-huh. it'll, and then it'll start raining rupees. Yes, that is the good stuff. During this run, I had multiple times where that jingle would happen and it would rain red rupees. Oh. Huge help. Huge help. More often than not, you get blue rupees in those situations. Maybe yeah. green rupees. So to hear you got red rupees, that's mm-hmm. the jackpot. Super rare. Super rare. I got very, I lucked out hardcore with that. Awesome. As far as individual levels, the only one that's really coming to mind right now is where I got one level where at least half of it was like just a labyrinth of bombable walls. Are you sure that wasn't the Death Mountain? Because I got I got one of those in Death Mountain. Did you really? Okay, well, I mean, that, that goes to the show because there are certain things you're going to run into in each level that can be replicated in different levels. 
For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were were there any specific enemies attacking you as you had to bomb through these walls? Mostly ruby likes, which because they I mean, here's the thing about this game. I don't think we've even said it yet that the enemies in this game aren't planted in strategic places. They spawn in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever room you're in, they will spawn in. And most enemies have constant respawns for the most part. Most of them, yeah. Like maybe half of them, which is not something that happens in every Zelda game. One of the worst is Ruby Likes, I think, because like if you're trying to get somewhere and like entrances keep getting blocked off and like and Ruby Likes are beefy. Maybe even if you can handle it, it's still going to take a couple seconds. Oh, that's another thing. A lot of the enemies on the harder difficulties take a lot of hits if you're not powered up. You can get those seeds that make you hit harder Mm -hmm. and that'll make the regular enemies go down in a normal amount of time if you're fully powered up on the harder difficulties. Right. But if you don't have those... Ooh, buckle in. It's it's kind of the whole reason you even want to cut grass or smash rocks and stuff like that, because that's how you get those. That's right. Oh, man. I just I have so many thoughts about the somewhat antithetical game design when you're playing Four Swords Anniversary, because like, OK, then you want to cut the grass to get rupees and to get the seeds. <laughs> yeah. But if you cut the grass early and you get all the hearts early before you even start fighting, then you're not going to have a chance to refresh those hearts later when you're farming. Right. You got to be extra careful. Yeah, it can be it can be a lot. Anyway, the Talus Cave is guarded by the Great Fairy of Ice, but before we get to her, we have to take down this place's boss, Darazol. Like Zoles and Gels. Like Zoles and Gels. Pete, what does Darazol look like to you? Oh, okay. Well, it's a big green snail slime. Yeah, I, I think that's concise. Yeah, I mean, this thing is a slugula to me. Is it? Yeah, this thing to me looks more like a slugula than a zole. Because, because it looks like a slug. Because it looks like a slug. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was just It's just weird that this thing has a zole, has zole in its name. Granted, there are no slugulas in this game. I'm not sure why they decided. Because, like, zole is lost to history as far as Zelda enemies go. And this one got a boss. This one got a full-on boss, just like the Minish Cap got a choo-choo boss. This kind of looks like a green Cthulhu taco if all of the innards were uh, purple beef. Oh, boy. Right? Yeah, like, kind of. Oh, I don't like that. It's barely even a shell on its back. This is just like some stuff growing on the back of a slime. Mm-hmm. So it towers over Link. We get into the arena and this thing is just frozen solid, right? It's kind of like the Octorok trick. It's, it's it's frozen solid. I guess I'll go home. Yeah. <laughs> Except I can't because I'm 400 rupees short of what I need for the Great Fairy. So uh, gotta unthaw this thing. The item they give you in this fight is Pegasus Boots. Mm-hmm. And Pegasus Boots are the only way to fight this boss. And Chris, I hate it, hate it, hate it. This is my least favorite Zelda boss in any Legend of Zelda video game. Whoa, wow. I, not because it's particularly hard. Make no mistake, it took me a long time the first time figuring out how to fight it. But but I think once you figure out what you have to do, it's just immensely 
unimaginative. Oh, tedious. It's just tedious. Yeah, it's very repetitive. Absolutely. It's jumping around, jumping up and down, Mm -hmm. kind of going in these rectangles, right? So it's going left, it's going up, it's going right, it's going back down, then it's where it started. Or vice versa. Rinse and repeat. So basically what we need to do, as Pete alluded to, we need to take the Pegasus boots and we need to ram this thing all the way backwards because there's a wall of ice behind it. And if it hits the wall of ice, it's going to freeze. And that's kind of where it takes damage. Yeah, no, you you ram jam it into this ice wall and that freeze it solid and then you ram jam it again with pegasus boots just the whole time well i I did that the first time what i found in subsequent playthroughs is if you just hit when it's frozen solid you just hit it with a sword oh you can it's easier yeah you can hit it with the sword no idea okay you just chisel it out yeah 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 well that's slightly less annoying okay but the thing that's difficult is you've got to time it because like I said, it's jumping nonstop. Oh, so there's yeah. a bit of a wind up with the Pegasus boots. You have to make sure so you come into contact with this thing in the brief moments it's on the ground. Yeah. So it's like all timing based. You need to be on your way before it even lands. And you need to ram it about three times before it's going to hit that back wall. Uh-huh. After the first time you hit it, if you don't immediately start charging the Pegasus boots up for the next hit, <laughs> it's going to jump out of the way. You can stun lock it, which is pretty good. You can. But like I said, you have to immediately charge the Pegasus boots one after the next after the next, which is what took me so long the first time. See, here's the thing. If you had four players, you could just be going in succession with the Pegasus boots, all four of you. Mm-hmm. And just keep it there. That's true. But we were not, we were not, we did not play it that way. <laughs> and this is one of the bosses that doesn't benefit from jumping back and forth between links in any way. You might as well just stay one link the whole time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Until the end. But before we get to the end, I do want to say the boss fights in this game have different phases on the different difficulties. Uh There was an additional phase at the end when you get the silver key, where suddenly there are moments where there are three additional duplicates of Derazol. Oh, you got that for silver? Yes, you get this for silver. I didn't get that till the hero key. So there's another phase for the hero key. I'll explain that in a second. For the silver key, you get three duplicates. All of them jump in a diamond pattern. Yeah. Only the real Derisol has a shadow. Right. So you have to find the one with the shadow and charge that one. It'll make the rest disappear. I don't know why this has that power. I don't know. It's a frozen, frozen jumping snail slime. But it has illusion powers. Yeah. The hero key phase, it gives it a, a additional phase where it shrinks down, oh. making it harder to charge into. And it also homes in on you and like gets real close as opposed to doing a rectangle the whole time. I don't remember that. Yeah, I did it earlier today. Huh. So it becomes more aggressive. The only other phase I'm aware of with this thing is that when you get rid of all the slime, it shrinks down and there's it turns out there's a little guy living inside of it. Do you want to describe what that thing is? Oh boy. He looks sort of like an Octorok. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it looks like an Octorok. It looks like a four, uh, an Octorok with like four punching bags around it. Is this what Dara is? Is Dara living inside of Azole and that's what happened? I don't know. I, I guess so. Because other Zol don't have this. Other Zols do not have this. I mean, unless this is like an inverted Zol. If this is like a Zol, but like the insides are now on the outside. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a slime. What's on the inside to take out? I don't know. A little guy. <laughs> but similar to the Manhandla, there are certain 
parts of the this this phase of the Derizol that can be hit with one color link and certain other parts that can be hit with the other color. Oh yeah. He's got he's got like these little balloons that he makes. Right. So you want to hit the right balloon with the right link. If you hit the wrong ones, you get electrocuted, which fun. And also each player can only see the colors of the other players. They will not see their own. So if you were playing with people, you would need to communicate. If I was playing with Pete, I would need to say, hey Pete, hit the upper hit the top one that hit the top one and pete would say hey chris hit the bottom one yeah but yeah i mean that's a little bit less novel well okay so it's got jumping power it's got illusion power it's got like these balloons and electric powers it can do Mm -hmm. i i feel this is like the like what is who is this guy who's this little guy dara who can do all these powers yeah who is dara that's it i don't know I, I'm actually very curious if Dara is ever used again in the franchise. I don't think so. Hashtag who is Dara? Hashtag who is Dara? What was the other? Oh, hashtag. Hashtag what is Deku? <laughs> no, not what is Deku. Hashtag who is Pachi? Oh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with Talus Cave while we're here? It's kind of like nothing really to write home about, you know? Hi, uh, Death Mountain. <laughs> Death Mountain. <laughs> Here we go. We got our first proper Death Mountain in in the timeline. How is this the first time we go to Death Mountain in the timeline? There is a lot to say about Death Mountain in this game and its effects on larger Hyrule. But for now, let's just keep it to the description and the enemies. And then we'll talk about some map stuff in just a minute, if you don't mind. Already? I'm curious where you're going. I have some stuff. I I got some stuff written in to talk about in regards to death mountain in this game you know i i have also i i feel like we're both like playing chicken right now like with some big like drops that's why i'm saying let's get past the stuff that we want to talk about less so we could get to the stuff we want to talk about a lot more it's a lava level this is the lava level yeah it's the lava level for what it's worth this is it this is mount krennel this is the lot the fire dungeon is it mount krennel this is what mount krennel looks like kind of yeah is it elden volcano I think this looks a lot more like Mount Krennel than Elden Volcano. Hmm. I think Elden Volcano, truth be told, is our first actual Death Mountain. Personally, I feel like Death Mountain was just not on the map for Minish Cap. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was somewhere to the northeast. <laughs> okay. Well, we're not talking about that game. We're talking about that about that Death Mountain. So we got a lot of fire. We've got a lot of a lot of magnet puzzles in Death Mountain, which like, hey, that's a good item. I'm happy that they got some like proper time in in death mountain death mountain i think is the worst level in the game really is that because of the difficulty not really it's because of how hard it is to make money here it is hard to make money i agree it is a lot of small cramped places and the enemies don't typically drop a lot of loot like you might run into some pre-planned moldorms at some point but most of the time it's going to be keys or stall children a lot of keys, a lot of stall children, some no-kun. I mean, really not a lot that we haven't seen elsewhere. Some things that can light you on fire, like bob-ombs and fire wizrobe. Uh-huh. Helmosaurs are here for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a good reason why. Probably a lot of good chicken nuggets because of that. Do we want to do a full list here? Because like, there's only one enemy we haven't mentioned in the game that is in this level. 
And I think that's the only enemy that we need to talk about right now. Yeah, because like if you most levels, the enemies are the same. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like we're doing the level of disservice by skipping to this one enemy. No, I again, remember, a lot of this is randomly generated. Yeah. So just because the enemies are the same in the different zones doesn't mean you're always seeing the same. Enemies. You might not even see them, Chris, unless you have another colorful song in your pocket. I do not. <laughs> then let's just go right to it. Although I have to say, every time I see Ball and Chain Soldier, uh -huh, uh -huh. it takes me back to that day when I had to find a way to fit Ball and Chain Soldier into a song. You figured out Guru Guru Bar. I think you're on top of your game. I guess so. I, I, I can't wait to feel inspired like that again. Let's talk about this new enemy. Bubbles. It's Bubbles. It's Bubbles. So when you say Bubble, when you say there's an enemy type named Bubble, what do you... What do you think? What comes to mind? What visual image is that? Well, it's the flaming skull. Oh, it's the flaming skull. Not in this one, it ain't. I mean, technically, there could be a flaming skull in there. I Yeah, I guess that's true. Although, like, when you... Okay, so here's the thing. Bubbles in Four Swords Anniversary Edition. It looks like a fireball with sort of maybe eyes. Yeah. It looks like a potabo or a potaboo from Mario. A hundred percent. Yep. And that's it. And it, it, it bounces around off of walls. It's pretty fast, kind of intimidating. You're usually going to going to encounter it in cramped spaces where you have to move quickly. And if you yeah. hit it, it'll split into two smaller bubbles, which will bounce off walls even faster. And the thing that we absolutely love about bubbles is if they touch you, you're going to bounce around the map for about <sighs> 10 seconds straight. Chris, the, the being on fire thing is the worst. I miss the days of when Link goes on fire. He just makes a, oh, whoa, 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 and like it fades to black for a second. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean like in Skyward Sword? We go, ah, da, 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 uh -huh. and then like it cuts back. Ah, da, da, da. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> I did the Mario getting burned, didn't I? Yeah, you I? did a completely different one. It's new. It's interesting. It probably won't look or behave like this ever again, <laughs> which I think I'm grateful for. Yeah, I guess we can kind of just get right into some of the level design stuff that we like. Oh, I would love to. I've had so much experience with Death Mountain in particular, Chris. Really? Because getting 5,000 rupees in this pit is next to impossible this was the one okay. level that i grinded on because i had a really good run i got to four thousand something rupees and i overturned everything as hard as i could by the end of the second phase of the level okay Every, everything had dried up i ended up farming bubbles for 45 minutes chris i ended up oh. doing that for what it's worth that's my experience on all three of these stages for the hero oh it's brutal yeah, it could be tough. It could be tough. I mean, sometimes you get a good run. Sometimes you don't. Do you have any rooms in particular you wanted to share? I have a couple. Uh, there was one that at the very start of the level, it is four individual tracks, very thin, one space wide. Mm -hmm. And each player is alone in their own track and they are given a rocks cape. Okay. Uh, yes. When they start to go through, there's lava to jump over and there's a helmosaur running back and forth in it that you have to jump over to avoid. And it's like kind of like a race between the players to get to a button at the end. Right. And can't you not even attack the helmorock until you hit that button? Oh, wait, that's right. It's it's not a button. It, you have to kill the helmosaur. That's what it is. Yes. Right. Yeah, that that's one of the starting areas that I remember in this game as well. There was another time in my most recent run where it, ha it was a soccer segment. 
and you had to kick the soccer ball across like some very thin and zigzagging paths across lava. Mm -hmm. That was kind of harrowing, but I got my money for it. Yeah, yeah, they make those at least a little bit worth it. And I think the mo the the biggest one though, Chris, the 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 whole enchilada of like the biggest frustrating parts of this level for me, which I alluded to earlier, uh, is that there are these red rotating magnet blocks that spin in a circle mechanically okay with the magnetic gloves you are supposed to latch onto it and if you latch onto it you'll rotate around with it while it turns yep what they want you to do chris is change the polarity as quick as you can and then push yourself away from the block to get to a, another safe platform so you are levitating yourself with the magnetic gloves in a l shape okay mm -hmm. i could not for the life of me figure out how to because at first i thought like oh they must want me to do this and i do it and it's not fast enough and i would fall in the lava uh -huh. and then i would try okay maybe my timing's slow and i'll speed it up i'll do it the best as i can i'll still fall in the lava because in the examples in the chambers of insight they give you platforms to stop on when you're doing that. Right. You have to let go in order to switch the polarity. And the second you let go, you're going to fall. So you have to move as quick as possible. Yeah, I vaguely remember getting that puzzle. I think what contributed to my frustration, though, is that this was towards the end of a very long and very large and very involved stage in which you have to carry a crystal key or whatever they're called, a crystal switch oh. you have to carry it around over your head across this very dangerous environment. Yeah. Have we talked about the crystal switches at all? I don't think we have. It's basically just an item that you have to take from one location to another, and you hold it, and if you put it down at all it breaks so oh, as soon oh. as link picks it up you've got to bring it all the way to its location yep. you can't attack any enemies yep. on the way so yeah and in this level chris i think i i didn't count but i think there was something about like 15 different spots to take the one key you don't get multiple switches to carry around you pick up the one and you have to carry it around with you. Yeah. And also, if you're carrying one, you can't switch characters because if you switch, you'll automatically drop it and it'll shatter. I remember I had the same exact map. Yes. It infuriating. And all of it is just to, in a roundabout fashion, open up a pathway towards the center of the level. Mm -hmm. With, you know, there's lots of fire doors you have to turn off this way. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out a way to get across this lava disaster with the magnet spinning thing chris and i couldn't i couldn't do it i ended up looking around the entire level looking for buttons to step on to make a land bridge or something yeah that sounds like an absolute nightmare i i get it i think i also played that one i think i was doing my silver key when i did that one so it wasn't Oof. as stressful yeah uh, the hero key, that would certainly frustrate me. I think my big frustration was I had one of those, uh, similar to what you were saying earlier, I had one of those pieces of the map where they just gave me a thousand breakable rocks. Oh. And it like it almost looked like an absolute joke with how many breakable rocks there are. Where it's like a tic-tac-toe grid of breakable blocks. Yeah. I basically had to make my way all the way to the right. But then what happens is once you start going down there, they throw three fire wizrobes at you. <laughs> so they're just lighting you on fire as mm -hmm. you're slowly blowing up these things because you can only plant.
plant one bomb at a time. The thing to remember is these are detonate. You can detonate these, which I kept right. forgetting. Oh, no. You just doubled your length that way. Yeah, yeah. It was a frustrating experience. See, this is another place. Because if every player had a bomb, you could just fan out and shatter everything at once. Yep. Actually, that reminds me of another uh, place from Death Mountain. It's weird how Death Mountain, the actual canon place that still exists in uh, the rest of the franchise, actually left an impression. <laughs> There's another spot where you get to an enclosure with lots and lots and lots and lots of spring pads. And if you step yep. on one, like you're hoping to find one that will bounce you to the next spring pad and like make a spring pad path to the opposite corner of this enclosure. Mm-hmm. I kind of found that if you hold the direction you want to go in, sometimes it goes in your favor, but that might have been luck and wishful thinking. I don't really know. I have found that the direction changes on a spring pad depending on which direction you're stepping onto it. Okay, that makes some amount of sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a lot of this stuff. Are there any other rooms that you want to talk about or should we maybe... <laughs> no, I'm tapped. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to that boss, Guan. Go, go, going, 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 go, go, gone, <laughs> going, going, gone, baby. Because we're gonna kick this guy's butt. This is Calcifer from Howl's Moving Castle. Ooh good reference this is bad calcifer this is when he gets mad in the movie this is malcifer 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 <laughs> chris i gotta tell you i don't i think this might be my most hated boss in the game i can understand that it just wasn't my experience just to set things up he's a big fireball it's a big burning jerk is what it is okay it's just a big fireball i think it's supposed to look like a bubble like the, this game's version of a bubble right like a boss bubble right. boss bubble everything it does burns you <laughs> And when you're on fire, you will run around nonstop. If you're doing that, you switch to your other character. They're probably already on fire. Yeah, yeah. And the walls have fire on them. Granted, you can put those out. That helps a tiny bit. But while you're doing that, your other character is probably on fire running around. Right. At the same time, the number one attack of Gogun is a massive fireball it is a fireball right it's like a big glowing magic fireball it's like a meteor to some extent sort of almost. sort of yeah it'll fly in the general direction of one player and it'll start to flash the color of that player right this is this game's volleyball boss That's exactly what it is is this the first time in the timeline where that happens <laughs> why do i feel like this kind of happens with Girahim? oh wait wait a minute yeah no he's got his shurikens you can bounce those back at him right it might happen in skyward sword this is like the first like example of it being so so much like it is later in the series though with ganondorf you're gonna play volleyball you bounce it back but you can't do it right away when you hit it back it'll change color to another player so that player has to smack it also mm -hmm. and the further you are in the fight the more players have to get a hand on that ball yep and but until at the end it starts flashing every color and you have to try and hit it then towards the boss mm -hmm. who this whole time he's moving around he's making moves and also trying to light your guys on fire <laughs> no not trying he's doing it he's setting your yes. guys on fire yes and, for sure 
<laughs> so there's a level of luck involved here. It's just, it's so stressful to me personally, Chris, the, like having to swap back and forth rapidly between characters. I get it. This is definitely the most antagonistic boss fight in this game, I think. Especially if your characters are very close together. For sure. Yeah. If you're playing Anniversary like us, you have to place your link strategically so that when one link hits it, the other link is, you know, on the other side of the court and can hit it towards the boss. Like there's right. some pre-planning that needs to happen with this boss fight. Right. It's it's an interesting idea that I'm not sure is executed on perfectly. What I do like about this boss is in the harder difficulties, it gets some additional forms. Oh, this form. I haven't seen this. I've seen a picture, though. This, this happens when you play the hero's path. I did the hero's path, but I don't remember that happening. It might just be that he didn't have much screen time when you played. Could be. Right? Because like you could you could play against this boss and this boss like is rarely on your screen because you're focused on hitting the volleyball. That's a very good point. Also, in my defense, I had been, this is after I had been playing the same level for 45 minutes. So maybe I was just <laughs> completely tuned out. Blanked it out. Yeah. So, so the final phase on the harder difficulties, this thing like grows up. Uh, the horns of like a Japanese dragon, like traditional Japanese dragons, yeah. as well as like the facial hair of a traditional Japanese dragon. It does have a mustache. It's a good look. It's also got three eyes. I like it a lot. I don't, I'm not saying I like this boss fight a lot. Good. I don't. This is like a draconic beholder if you play D&D. <laughs> that's a great, I, yeah, that's a great point. It is kind of that, isn't it? But also when you hit it uh, enough times, it will split into a bunch of tiny little fireballs and only one of them is actually its real body. And you have to figure that part out. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're trying to figure that out, you're probably going to set yourself on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so most of the flames you hit will either put the flames out or it just won't do any damage and you just got to go from flame to flame. And yeah, it's not super difficult. It's just, again, tedium is the name of the game. This this level from toe to tip is just unapologetic, Chris. A little bit, especially on those harder difficulties in single player. Oh, boy. All right, so I think that covers the nitty-gritty details for the three major levels. You feel good about that, or is there anything else you wanted to tackle? I, I think I'm ready to move on to another topic. Okay, let's take a step back and start looking at the actual maps, I think. Please do, because I don't know where you're going with that. Okay, so I actually spoke a little bit with Lore Master Kex about what she thought uh, in regards to the structure of this map, because okay. by all means, there are some weird things going on on the map screen of this game. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about some theories about the general map structure. So Kex writes in and, and she tells us about how fans often theorize about uh, how uniquely active the tectonic plates are that make up Hyrule, <laughs> which might be one of the reasons why Hyrule is constantly shifting locations. Massive earthquakes all the time. Conveniently, <laughs> like, conveniently we miss those. Right. But right now, at this point in time, Hyrule might be going through one of those. Because if we look at the map, you'll note that all three major biomes are incredibly close together. Uncharacteristic sure. for the series. Is it? Yes. Uh, it has multiple volcanoes, not just one death mountain. There are three volcanoes here, something mm. that I don't recall ever happening. It's like a mountain range, yeah. Yeah, which is wild. There's usually one big volcano. So Hyrule has multiple volcanoes, which would be strange enough on its own. But on top of that, it looks like they all have either recently mm -hmm. erupted or are currently erupting uh -huh. as we look at the title screen. Okay. The proximity from these volcanic eruptions to the lush forest is strange enough, 
But even more strange is the area directly south to the volcanoes. Mm -hmm. That's not just water. Those are the Talus Caves, completely covered in ice, as you can see from the top of the mountain if you look closely. It's a frigid area, and to have that so close to so many active volcanoes, something truly huge and sudden must have happened to the land of Hyrule to cause this. Okay. Not even Ganon's magic freezing over Zora's domain caused dissonance in the environment that's this clear and obvious. Right. Well... Chris and Kex, believe it or not, I may have an answer to your question. To, well... Wait, what's the question? It wasn't really a question. <laughs> Unless the question's just, what the heck? Yeah, okay, Pete, what the heck? Well, y'all, this isn't Hyrule. Well, Chris, I think it is. I looked at a script for the entire game of Four Swords Anniversary Edition, unloaded. What What does that mean? Meaning I went to GameFAQs where someone dumped the entire script of the game, including menus and everything. Okay. I did a control F search. Okay. The word Hyrule features absolutely not at all. That is exhibit one. <laughs> exhibit B. <laughs> Wait, how are we numbering you, these exhibits? I'm, you heard me. I know what I said. We get to exhibit B. All right. Four Swords Adventures. Okay, this is not the order in which I came to these details. I'll explain more later. Okay, I feel like we're about to lock in, even though I feel very <laughs> distant from you in this moment. Four Swords Adventures. Okay, I've only seen like the beginning intro and maybe some clips of this game, but I have seen the beginning. Zelda invites Link to come with her to the Four Sword Sanctuary, mm -hmm. which needs to be opened. We, we don't need to get into the specific mechanics around it, but it needs to be, it can only be accessed by way of a magic portal. Uh-oh, what's the implication there, Pete? A magic portal in Hyrule Castle. And then you go through, and what do you find? It's the exact same shrine at the start of this game, where it has the pedestal that the sword is in, uh -huh. and the four pillars that have the elements on them. The Four Sword Sanctuary is the Elemental Sanctuary. And also, this realm, which holds the Four Sword Sanctuary, is no longer this realm of the Minish or wherever it is that Ezlo went at the end of Minish Cap. It is the Dark World. Okay. Okay. Now we're, now we're kind of linking back into each other. At some point, that realm that held the Elemental Sanctuary became the Dark World. And that world map where you see Death Mountain, like the whole Death Mountain range, that is the Dark World. We're in that right now. I, you know what? This actually, I actually might like this more than the theory I brought here. Surprise! The tour bus actually took us to the dark world. <laughs> okay, I I like that. I like that. I like that. That mm -hmm. actually cleans up the theory I was bringing to the table. And that's why everything is so strange here. And you can have a place called Death Mountain. Death Mountain is in Link to the Past. In both versions. So that's interesting because Vati's palace, the Wind Palace, is in the same place. Yes. Everything else has kind of shifted, but there are some similarities. Okay, I like it. So what I was going to bring to the table was, you know, again, yes, Four Swords Adventures confirms that to get to the Four Swords Sanctuary, you have to go through a magic portal, right? So the Four Swords Sanctuary, what I was going to posit was it could have been in the Sacred Realm to some extent, which I looked online and there were some people saying, oh, okay, well, if you look at the Palace of the Four Sword, which exists in the link to the past that comes with Four Swords, yes. right? There's that extra dungeon that's the Palace of the Four Swords. Uh -huh. It's where you put the Four Sword back together. 
that could be the expanded, renovated Four Sword Sanctuary found in the Dark World. Uh, the Palace of the Four Sword is found within the Pyramid of Power, which is directly correlated to, on the light side, uh-huh. Hyrule Castle. Yes. So perhaps the sanctuary itself in the light world mirrors the 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 palace uh, in the dark world, yeah. uh, indicating that the sanctuary is within, near, or somehow underneath the Hyrule Castle. Makes sense to me. So, right, I guess we're saying the same thing, right? Because I think we're saying the same. It gets kind of like a uh, uh, conspiracy boardy when you name everything at the, in the same sentence. But yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like that. And, and I have other theories connected to this theory, but this is the, the most concrete one that I have today. This game takes place almost entirely in a different world. It doesn't need to necessarily be the dark world, but that makes the most sense to me. So the weird thing about... So this game takes place on the dark world, which would mean the palace. I think the sanctuary... Since you need to use a portal to get to the sanctuary, then the sanctuary is in this other world. Because remember, in Minish Cap, you need to go through that door to get to the elemental sanctuary. And at the end of Minish Cap, that door disappears. Oh, 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 oh. So it takes you. So that's not even Hyrule. We're not in Hyrule in this game. No, I understand. I agree. We're not in Hyrule in Four Swords. But where the 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 sanctuary is, is... Oh, an in-between. It's like an in-between? Because like I said, people were positing it's in the sacred realm. If you put it in the sacred realm, why would you put the sword that's holding Vati... In the sacred realm with the Triforce, you're just asking for trouble in that well, case. Well, that's the thing, right? Because maybe, I don't know exactly when, but at some point, that world was not the sacred realm anymore. And also, we don't use just the sacred realm to hide the Triforce anymore either. But at this point in time... Do we? We don't see it there in Minish Cap. I guess, but that's because Minish Cap likes to use cute wording to get around the... All we know is in Skyward Sword, we take the Triforce from the sacred realm bring it to the world of light, etc. And then uh, Impa at the end says, oh yeah, me and my people got to try and hide this thing there. Right. We don't know where they brought it. And also, you, you, you've you been mentioning Minish Cap. We don't know that the Light Force is the Triforce. We kind of know. We, we, we kind of have also talked about this last season where the Light Force Vati was looking for is the essence of Hylia that lives inside of Zelda's bloodline. Right. And he got a little bit of that also. So in summary, Pete, Give me the cliff notes of this theory. Okay. So to be brief, the four sword sanctuary at the very start of the game is not in Hyrule. It is in a secondary world, possibly the dark world, possibly, uh, well, I'll, I don't know if we have time to talk about this, but possibly Termina. Okay. <laughs> listen, I will listen, Chris. Oh, the stray fairies. Let me get into that. I'll get into that. It's a whole other thing. And we chase Vati, who has Zelda, to other places within this other world. And the great fairies of this world are helping us to find Zelda. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So that might also explain why we have this bizarro death mountain with three volcanoes. Why we have this weird... Zora's domain right underneath the mountain that you know three very distinct biomes right next to each other I like this I like this you're gonna love this next part (laughs) go on Chris do you know what happens after you beat Vati in the third epic you know I don't (laughs) I mean maybe you looked it up another humble brag no I didn't beat it yet okay I, I only I only found this through my research here's the thing there's a whole thing about the keys 
uh, for the hero keys. I don't remember exactly what led me to research this, but it, I went down a whole rabbit hole with Zelda Wiki. Mm -hmm. The thing that it came to over the course of that is that after you beat all three epics, if you decide to play one of these three levels again, the Great Fairy looks different. Whoa. Yes. Why? I don't know. And this is only a feature in the Anniversary Edition. What do they look like? The Great Fairies, all three of them, change appearance to look like a different fairy from Majora's Mask. This makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. They keep their names, okay? They say they, their dialogue changes slightly because you don't have to click keys anymore. Example, okay? The Great Dragonfly Fairy, a.k.a. the, the Great Fairy of Forest, okay? Uh, after the third epic, she turns into the Great Fairy of Power from Majora's Mask. Wow. Okay? You look at the right. if you look at the sprites, the colors are dead on. Okay, then you get the uh, the great Mayfly Fairy, all AKA the Great Fairy of Ice, who turns into the Great Fairy of Wisdom from Majora's Mask. Who, depending on the version that you are playing, will show up in Snowhead. Pete, is this Termina? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Pete, we need another hour to unpack this. I, Pete. <laughs> This is huge. I don't see people talking about this. I know. I'm surprised people aren't. Lastly, the Great Butterfly Fairy, Great Fairy of Flame, turns into the Great Fairy of Magic from Clocktown, the one that gives you the Great Fairy's mask. Uh-huh. The one that lets you find stray fairies. Right. <laughs> Holy cow. I didn't know any of this until this very moment. That's amazing. And and by the way, like the names, the Great Fairy of Magic, Power, and Wisdom, uh, those names are also in Ocarina of Time, but all the Great Fairies in Ocarina of Time have the same appearance. They only have different colors in Majora's Mask. Wow. Yeah, that is, uh, that is a big one that you just cracked open two hours into the recording. So if you're wondering why there's such like disparate biomes in this area, this other realm that we're in, mm -hmm. that might be an answer. Because how close is Icona Canyon to Snowhead to the, like the beach to a swamp? This is Termina. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm going to think about this a lot between now and the next recording. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, listeners, let us know what you think. Because I think this might be my new favorite theory of yours, Pete. <laughs> this is really good. There's a lot of details I need to hammer out on this, but I, I, I'm liking the shape it's taking. All right. Well, we put the idea out there, so we want to hear what you all think and help us piece this together. Uh, but yeah, awesome idea there, Pete. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything else? I, I only have one last uh, question before we, you know, hit other stuff. This is something that I learned after I beat Death Mountain the third time. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the Great Fairy at the end said, you finally have all three keys. You can go fight Vati. She warns you that this will be the hardest time you'll be facing him. It'll have 12 levels. It'll be by far the hardest thing compared to the previous times you fought Vati. What do you mean, previous times? We're doing a time loop. What do you mean we're doing a time loop? We're doing a Groundhog's Day. <laughs> we're doing a Termina! <laughs> uh oh, no! Uh oh. Oh, uh, you can't really hear it, but I just fully <laughs> sunk into my chair as I realized what Pete was setting up there. <laughs> Amazing. Genuinely, genuinely, uh, at first I was under the impression that each epic was just like a retelling of the same story. 
but it turns out all three times actually happened. Each time you were training up to become the hero. Yeah. That you needed to be with the 5,000 rupees. Yeah. Wow. They found a way. If you didn't like the time loop in Majora's Mask, what would you think of it if you had rupee requirements? You know, actually, it would kind of make sense that the fairies would remember all the stuff you did after time time rewinds. Holy cow. <laughs> My mind is melting. <laughs> Do you have any more of this? No. All I have left is travel recommendations. I, I can't. <laughs> Pete, I can't. <laughs> travel recommendations. Let's go. <laughs> Top photo op is any single one of the great fairy fountains. I think they're amazing. Top photo op is throw me into the any one of the three Death Mountain volcanoes because I can't <laughs> I can no longer continue existing. I my mind just exploded okay. and now I need to explode with the volcano and take a picture when you toss me in there. My recommended attraction is whitewater rafting in the sea of trees. Ooh. That's a good, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. There are a lot of those currents uh, in the sea of tree, trees that would make that enjoyable. There was literally one that I found that was like a river, which was like, oh, this is perfect. For me, I think you could refactor some of those springboard zones in the hero's key portions of the levels. <laughs> a trampoline park. To make like the ultimate bouncy castle. Heck yeah. Imagine if you took like Hyrule Castle, but you just made it so that it was just like springboard throughout the whole castle so kids could just go in and just bounce around all of hyrule castle oh that'd be cool yeah put those hyrule tax dollars to good use there are places in, in real life that will let you rent a castle so like you could probably make that happen i want a bouncy castle in buckingham palace <laughs> <laughs> next t-rex please what are you eating my best bite is bull bull crab cakes Ooh, mine is bulbul apple pie. <laughs> There's two kinds of people in the world. You got a little bit of the apple, but you also got a little bit of the seafood. And you kind of don't know what each bite's going to be. Ooh. It sounds awful. Ooh. It sounds awful, as I say. Yeah. But I'm committed to it. I'm committed to it. We got to keep moving. Is it a dessert pie or a dinner pie? That's all I have to know. That's a dessert pie. Oh, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong answer, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, do we want to open up the post office? Sure, go for it. Yeah! All right, so why don't you start us off with this email from Steven? Sure. Steven says, hi, Chris. I have a... Oh, I see how that feels now. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good way to start off the email, Steven. <laughs> hi, Chris. I and have... now, Pete and I are even, Steven. I guess so. Oh, darn it. Keep reading. I have a Tears of the Kingdom theory. If you look at the creature we see on the mural in the new trailer, the sides look kind of like the Twilight Throne from Twilight Princess. Yeah, we talked about this during the bonus app, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could this indicate yet another tie to the Twilight being in Tears of the Kingdom? Please give me Twilights. I would totally be up for a Twilight Princess bonus episode between this season and next. What would we do for a Twilight Princess bonus? I don't know. Can we just get Jake back and we just gush about <laughs> Twilight Princess in its entirety for a couple hours? Like, do people want to hear that? That could be genuinely kind of fun. I would front to back enjoy doing that, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Realistically, we did point out the Twilight uh, design when we did that bonus episode. I don't think we're seeing any Twilight stuff come back in Tears of the Kingdom, though. I just I don't think that's going to be it. I don't know, because we do see those symbols. Oh, it's such a toss-up. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I can't wait until we have more answers to all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh also, Stephen says, P.S., how do I get on the Discord? There's no Discord. We've heard this a few times recently. I apologize. I sometimes say people reach out on Discord. 
I am a member in other fantastic Zelda podcast community discord. Shout out to another Zelda podcast who has a great one. Shout out to the Legend of Zelda lore cast that has one. Hello Hyrule does not currently have a Discord server. We're open to the idea. We are open to the idea. We're thinking about the logistics behind it. Stay tuned if you are interested in that. Uh, but that does not currently exist, so I apologize for the confusion there. Especially with current events. It might be in our favor to think about that. <laughs> I'm going to take this email from Blake. Blake says, Hey Pete, hey Chris. I discovered your podcast while you were in the middle of covering the Minish Cap and just recently caught up to the latest episodes. This is the podcast I've been waiting for. And we've been waiting for you, Blake. He also talked about growing up and playing Zelda games in the early 2000s and theorizing how things fit in the series before the official Hyrule Historia was released. I kind of met, like, I was not a part of any of that before the Hyrule Historia, and I kind of wish I was able to see some of that. Oh, buddy, yeah, there was a lot of that. I remember watching, like, a, uh, like, a retrospective on, what, what was even that website? Was Screw Attack? It was, like, Screw yeah, yeah, yeah. before it was bought up by whoever. Yeah, Game Trailers and Screw, Screw Attack. Yeah, 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 where they had, they posited what, like, the, the timeline could be before we even knew what Breath of the Wild, like, before it even had a trailer or anything. And originally, mm -hmm. one of the ideas was that uh, the Oracle games are the thing that combined the child and adult timelines. Oh, interesting. Kind of a cool theory. Went right out the window. <laughs> Speaking of theories, Blake posits three theories for us here. He talks about Skyward Sword time travel inconsistencies. He says, I'm surprised that you guys didn't really get into the weeds concerning the time travel inconsistencies in Skyward Sword, especially seen in the ending. My mm. latest thought experiment attempts to explain the coexistence of faded events, uh -huh. like Zelda being frozen in crystal, right. uh, with timeline-altering events, something more like planting the life tree in the past sure. and seeing it grow. I'm also hoping to explain the inconsistencies in Ocarina of Time, like the magic beans and the Guru Guru stuff that everyone knows about, uh, using a similar model. One of them considers that maybe the two time portals, the Temple of Time and the Sealed Temple, function differently. The events caused by traveling through the Temple of Time portal seem to all be faded, while the events caused by traveling through the Sealed Grounds portal seem to alter the course of events. Uh -huh. That's interesting. I, I didn't well, actually think about the difference between the, the Gates of Time right. and the I kind of assumed, the, I mean, it does make kind of sense where if, depending on whatever machinations you use to get there, making the rules change, Change, that's kind of cool i do like yeah. that i did already kind of have the feeling that like most of the time travel stuff that was like willed by hylia kind of was paradox free you know what i mean because mm -hmm. if, if, yeah. if you know if you're god if you're all powerful time god wants it then like you know whatever all right so he says uh this isn't perfect however as the bracelet on old impa would have come from an event caused by traveling through the sealed grounds portal but it's something to think about four swords adventure placement the placement that shocked me the most from the official timeline published in the hyrule history was four swords adventures my prior interpretation was that four swords adventures was intended to be a direct sequel to four swords ah. featuring the same Lincoln Zelda. The game manual to Four Swords Adventures suggests as much. Additionally, my unpopular opinion is that the dark mirror featured in Four Swords Adventures is the Twilight Mirror from Twilight Princess, making mm. the game's placement after Twilight Princess impossible since the mirror is permanently destroyed. Well, you can make new mirrors. And also, there's also a mirror in Link to the Past, isn't there, that gets to the Dark World? He says, my solution is covered in my next point. 
Oh. <laughs> I think there is an early split in the timeline, either from events in and around Skyward Sword or possibly caused by the reset wish at the end of the Minish Cap. In one timeline, Ooh. it leads to the Four Swords, followed immediately by Four Swords Adventures, same Link and Zelda for both games, uh, while the other timeline goes directly to Ocarina of Time. Hmm. I think the timeline with Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures leads to an alternate origin story for Ganondorf to Ganon and then leads to events that parallel Ocarina of Time, where instead the hero falls. This is my explanation for the fallen timeline and how it can coexist with the child and adult timelines. Interesting. He's reshaping everything. Yeah. Okay. That kind of works, though. I like that. We're down here playing checkers. They're playing chess. Yeah, for sure. Then he asks us, what will be your cover order for the different timelines? Do you plan on picking a timeline and following it to the end before covering a different timeline or trying to alternate between timelines? Yeah. Let's address this because we actually got a few emails asking about yeah, timelines. I've been getting questions, too, from like people on Twitter. Yeah. So the general idea that we're going with now, and we don't know the specifics on how this will take form, but we're going to ask the Hello Hyrule community which timeline they want us to cover first. And we're going to kind of leave it to y'all in one way or another. The, the biggest vote of your life. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, for a while, I kind of wanted to go one way or another because I wanted to play... Uh, Wind Waker mm -hmm. or Twilight Princess. Well, they just played them anyway. But then I just got bored and played them anyway. So at this point, whatever you guys want to hear about, we want to talk about. I think any of the three is a great choice. I would love to go down any route as long as it's something that you know, the fans want to listen to, for sure. Sure. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer. In any case. Thank you, Blake. Thank you for writing in. That was... I mean, that was some incredible piecing together. Like, clearly, Blake has thought things out a lot. Uh, and so we appreciate you taking the time to write all that out for us. Yeah, absolutely. Great hearing from you. Uh, do you have one more postcard for us? One Pete? last postcard from Malachi. I'm saving up to buy a Game Boy Advance. And from what I've listened to on your podcast, I am so excited to play Four Swords and Minish Cap. Thank you. Oh. Malachi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> malachi and from other... a link with malachi yes yes absolutely uh listen we have had some people reach out and say that they want to play four swords because we are talking about it uh... and that's all well and good but you need to know if you're getting actual hardware you can't just play four swords on a game boy advance you have to play anniversary edition if you're playing single player if you're playing multiplayer with friends you need a bunch of consoles right so right, right, don't right. start investing in the hardware until you know the logistics behind it yeah. all. There's no single player in the Game Boy Advance. Exactly. And remember, you can emulate this stuff. They're not selling Four Swords Anniversary anymore. You're not cheating them out of yeah, money. This was a very, like, Anniversary Edition was a very rare piece of DSiWare that you had to download on the DS for a few months. And I think it came back for another couple months, like at some point later in the future. But now it is mm -hmm. completely gone. You can't play it unless you download it. So that might be the easiest route before you invest a bunch of money in this and have any yeah. additional headache but but we're glad to hear you still want to play along with us malachi goes on to say i have a question after ocarina of time what game are you doing next link to the past majora's mask or wind waker we just addressed it yes we did it's up to it's up to you all <laughs> thanks for reaching out though malachi thank you malachi and that's going to close up the post office i'm spent me too <laughs> pete if people want to send us their own personal origin theories about termina where can they do that? If you have any opinions on my Buckwild opinions, <laughs> you can send us a postcard at HyrulePod at gmail.com or by dropping us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts 
We'll read your message here, and you'll be helping more listeners like you to find the show. You can also find the show on Twitter, Insta, and Tumblr at HyroPod. And if you want to find us individually on Twitter, you can find me at the edge of my Pete. I am at a man named Babs. And if you have friends who like Zelda and like podcasts, please share this with them. If you think they'd like it, we love hearing about people sharing the podcast with their friends. That's going to do it for this episode of Hello Hyrule. Thank you for listening. And our next episode will be stomping Vati into the dirt and stopping off at the Realm of Memories and performing the Hero's Trial. Yeah, I is there something there with the Hero's Trial? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll know before the next episode. Yeah, we can also talk about the credits because I have some thoughts about the credits. Okay, we'll talk about the credits next episode. Yeah, but until then, excuse me, podcast. Pete, can this episode be called The Dark World? I mean, that would be some, called The Dark World Tour. Thank you.